Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're with us today. My name is Aaron. I'm the senior pastor on behalf of my wife, Erica, and all of our staff and pastors that set up for you today. We're so glad that you're with us, especially uh, since you're primarily watching us online. You know, we have a few staff members and leaders in here uh, just to kind of create a studio audience. But we're, we know most of you are at home because of the, uh, we call it what, Ice Mageddon, I guess, that happened to uh, be in Texas. I never thought I'd say that. We actually had to have service canceled because of ice in Texas, but I guess, you know, we, we got to have it happen one day, and so I guess that's today. And so uh, my encouragement to you, if you're just trying us out online for the first time, or maybe this is your first time jumping online with us, a few things I'd love for you to do. Number one is like, comment, or share. Interact inside the comments. It's actually a really fun way to watch and experience church, and then it helps us get uh, the message of Jesus out to everybody that we possibly can, and we hope that uh, you are doing that. If you're a guest with us for the very first time, maybe you're watching for the first time, you got to check us out in, uh, online or in person next week. We will be having service in person, uh, more than likely 99%. Weather looks just fine. So make sure you're here with us uh, as we continue a series we're starting today. We're starting a brand new series today called Relationship Goals, or, or we kind of even, you can use the hashtag Relationship Goals. And the reason we wanted to do that is because we wanted to talk about marriage and relationships and dating and what it's like to be a Christ-centered, Christ-follower of Jesus uh, and, and be married. And it's it's not easy. Marriage is not easy whether you're a Christian or or you are a Christian. And, and it's, it's a tough, tough thing. And so we got to figure out how to do some of this stuff. And so before before I get started, I want to give you a couple of things to put on your calendars. There's some fun things to think about. Uh, February 26th, real quick, February 26th, our whole church, we're all going to commit to going on a date with your spouse. That's going to be called Rise Date Night. And so February 26th is going to be the day that we're going to do that. And then here's what's going to happen on the 21st, the weekend before. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, actually help you and give you some date night kind of starter kits. And so we're going to help you actually be blessed in doing that. You have to register. So you have to register, say, hey, I'm going to register to go on a date, and then we're going to give you a date night starter kit. You're going to want this starter kit because it's going to help you have a great date, number one. But number two, there's some blessing, fun things inside of like gift card stuff to go have fun on your date. So we want to, as a church, invest into you. So make sure you register. So if I'm in you right now, like I'd go online. Our staff is going to put that link in the comments. Go click it and then sign up for it. Put your name in. And then on the 21st, you got to be here to pick up your date night starter kits so that you can have a great night on the 26th. All right, that's out of the way. It'll be great. Make sure you do that. It's going to be awesome. We are, again, starting a, a series called Relationship Goals, and um, we're going to be in the book of Genesis chapter number two today because I want to I want to go back to the beginning, you know. We got to go back to the Genesis. We got to go back to the beginning of what God was doing when he put man and woman together, and what I love for us to do is maybe look at for the next several weeks some goals that we could have as Christians to actually grow ourselves and grow our marriages so that we can have the best marriage possible. Genesis chapter number 2 in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, if you have it, we'll put it up on the screen. The Lord God said, Is it not good, it is not good for man to be alone. All the husbands know that to be true. Anytime guys are alone, we don't do good things. So we need, we need a woman around to tell us, hey, don't be crazy. And so I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. By the way, I get this asked a lot. Pastor, how do you know if the woman that you married, if the man that you married is the one, is the right one for you? And the answer is, you, if you married him, that's the right one for you, because that's what the Bible says. He made him the mate. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. There is no better. It's just you could be better for the situation. So I'm telling you, 
The right one is, is the one that you're married. So he, he goes on to say, while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Verse 23, at last the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she is taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Beautiful scripture about God establishing marriage. This union that he starts, that he creates, that he designs, where, where he is in the midst of the union. And so, so I've just noticed that if, if I move further and further away from God's original intent, I will not get what God intended. So if I, if I move away from God's original intent, God put man and woman together. He did it. They didn't magically come together. There was no like, you know, Eve was walking, Adam was walking. They looked at each other. Hearts flew out, you know, where Cupid shoots somebody and then they, they fall in love. That's not what happened. There was an intentionality to God putting a man and a woman together together. He designed it. He curated it. He put it together. And so what he intended, we can only get what God intended if we do it the way God intended. And so I want us to look at the core of what my message today is called, the first relationship goal we're going to talk about is how to be Christ-centered, how to be Christ-centered. Let's pray. Father, we love you, God. Lord, I thank you that today you are with us and that ultimately, God, you're doing something amazing and then I, I pray, Lord, that, that as, we're, as we're opening up your word and we're walking it out, God, I know that you have something powerful to speak to us. Even, even if we're not married in here, even if we, we were married and we're looking to maybe get married again, maybe we're, we were married and, and we're not looking to get married. Either way, God, we, we, you have a word for us today, and I, I know that you're going to speak to us. So I just pray that you would do that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. I did a search the other day of um, of of this this hashtag. So if you go on social media, if you're on Facebook and, and you can look at this and I did a search because um, I, I'm not been on social media recently, lately, very active. But I remember when I used to post pictures of my wife and I, that was primarily me and my family. I posted that was kind of the number one post I had. I used to always, anytime I put something, a picture of me and my wife, there would always be somebody who'd put in like hashtag relationship goals. And the idea of relationship goals, right, was that that like, I'm not where I want to be, but one day I'm going to have that, right? It was like, one day I'm going to have what I see. One day I can, that's a goal of mine to do what they're going to do. So I thought I'd look at some of the things on the internet and see what was out there. So I pulled up some pictures for us just to kind of look at some hashtag relationship goals. Here was one that popped up. This is hashtag relationship goals. This is, you know, two people together. I just noticed that the sunrise is perfect, right? I think they call that in the photography, they call that like the, the golden hour, right? It's like, it's perfect. Her hair is perfect. You know, come on, how many of y'all see it? Like her hair is perfect. The guy's shirt's not wrinkled. He's staring right into her eyes. They're not screaming at each other. There's no kids pulling on them. It's like, of course, that's hashtag relationship goals because that ain't real. All right, number two, I found another one. Here's another one I thought was interesting. So they're, I don't know if you noticed, they're in Paris, number one. So all the ladies are like, why can't you take me to Paris? Number two, we're like, okay, he's hugging her. 
And then number three, he's got a ring. He's going to be giving her a ring. But I've noticed that, like, who took the picture? Like, how, you only get a picture like that if it's staged. You got to hear what I'm saying. You only get a picture like that if it's been staged and put all together. And you see it's been overly produced. And, and you realize, wow, this was not, maybe this is not, like, just something that happens. So the third one I thought was even funnier to me was uh, this one. And it was like hashtag relationship goals, and you got your woman on a on a bike, you know, and and you're I'm no you're not moving, right? And so he's 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 he, she's kissing him, so she likes him, and, and and then she's got boots on, and then there's a perfect grass, and I'm just like my wife would never do that, like you know what I mean? If I ever asked her to do that, she would never do that. She'd be like, I'm not putting cowboy boots on, and I'm not sitting on no bike. You're gonna throw me off of it. Like I, she would just never. But I look at all these things, and what I notice is like they're overly produced, right? Staged things that we we see that aren't even godly necessarily. I mean, they're not bad. They're just not even godly. And they, they make us feel like what we currently have is not enough. And so, so what happens is, is we, we see something we want. We compare it to what we have. And when it doesn't measure up, because that was an overly produced moment, because whenever you see these pictures, you, I don't know if y'all, you ever tend to watch these when you're sitting on the couch with your wife, with your husband, you don't have any makeup on, you're not dressed, your kids are running around, your dogs have eaten everything. Come on, right? And it's ice Mageddon outside. That's not ice Mageddon. So you get discouraged. The other day I was sitting um, and, and I, I broke my, my flashlight. I had a flashlight. And, and uh, I was frustrated and I broke it and it was like I had duct taped it. And I mean, I, it was just messed up, you know, and it dropped it several times. And I just it was not working anymore. And so I was literally working on it while I was watching television late at night. Now, I'm a, I'm, I'm a sucker for late night television, primarily because I love the good infomercial. How many of y'all like the good infomercial, right, online? Y'all know, if you like an infomercial, put it in the comments and tell me your favorite infomercial item. I'll tell you my, a few of mine that I love. I love the ShamWow, right? Do you like the ShamWow guy? Yeah, the little tiny 12 by 12, you know, cloth that seems to soak up a gallon of water and, and then some, and then you can, you know, you wring it out. Uh, ShamWow was amazing. The Mighty Putty, seems like the Mighty Putty can do anything. You can put it anywhere. You can put, you can use it for anything. The flex seal. I mean, there's not, there's like, there's not only like flex seal, there's a flex seal group of products now, right? So you don't have just the flex seal. You have the flex seal spray and the wrap and the original flex seal. I mean, I got all of them in my garage, but that night I was sitting trying to work on my flashlight and the infomercial came up for this new brand new, new and improved flashlight. And I was looking at it and I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing. This is the one. And the guy gets on the thing and he starts talking about this flashlight. He goes, let me tell you about this flashlight. It's amazing. And he pulls out this flashlight, right? And I'm like, that's amazing. He goes, let me tell you about this flashlight. And he says, it's like a million lumens, right? So he turns it on, you know, and he's like showing it to the, he turns off the, the you know, the studio lights and y'all, I mean, like it's bright, right? Like it's bright. And so I'm blinding our staff here. And, and so it's bright. And so he's like, it's amazing. He goes, but wait, there's more. And I'm like, what do you mean there's more? And he presses the button, and it starts to, like, flash red. And he goes, you can use this when you're on the side of the road. I'm like, we need that. I'm like, we need that. And he goes, but wait, come on, 
there's more. And so he goes, let me turn it back on. He goes, check this out. If you press this button, it turns. And now you can hold it up almost like a torch or a light inside of when you're going camping. And I'm like, I like camping. I'm like, I need this. This is amazing. That flashlight's amazing. He goes, but wait. Yeah, there's more. He goes, then you need to know this. Not only can it turn and adjust, it's got a magnet on it so you can stick it up on the hood of your car while you're working on stuff. And I'm like, I work on stuff. I'm like, I need this for the hood of my car. And he goes, he says it again. He says, but wait. There, yeah, he goes, there's more. And he goes, listen, and I thought I would scream. My kids are all asleep. And when he did this, I'm not going to lie to you, I audibly screamed. I audibly screamed in my house. He goes, check this out. And he pulls this thing up. And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, I'm like, take my money now. I'm standing up. And I'm like, there's got this little thing. I don't even know what you call this, like a road flare lamp thing. And I'm like, I need three of these things. I don't even know why, just in case. And he's like, there's no batteries that you have to do. They, it's a lithium ion battery. I'm like, lithium ion, that sounds powerful. <laughs> I'm like, this is the battery. And I, I started, and the whole time, he's showing me this light. I'm holding. <laughs> I'm just leaving it there. I'm holding a dumb light, right? And thanks. This is duct tapes. It doesn't even work. And I dropped it several times. This doesn't. This and it's funny because it seems like that's like a lot of the um, a lot of our world, right? You look at like pictures, and it makes us it makes us. I, I talk about it kind of like this. I feel like, but there's more spirit, right? And I'm sitting on my 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 couch and I'm screaming about this new thing that was overly produced. How many of y'all know they made sure they picked the right light that was working and they had it all cleaned up and the battery was fully charged. It had never been used. Right. Come on. And I compared that to the thing that, 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 that I, I, I already had that had been used and it, it was worked and it, it was been faithful with me and it's been there for me. And I just, I compared the wrong thing to the wrong thing. I wasn't comparing apples and oranges. I was comparing, you know, skylights to, to you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on, to berries. It, was, it wasn't a fair comparison. It was wrong. But that's what, that's what, if we're not careful, this life can do to us, right? And so, so me and my wife, we've, We've had to work through some major issues in our life. We've had to work through these, these, these moments where maybe I had an ungodly goal in my life. I'm going to give this to you, Clint. Just toss it. There you go. All right, you got it. Brand new light. So I, I, think, I think if we're, if we're smart and godly Christians, we got to have some realistic, godly relationship goals that we can place in our life, whether you're single or whether you're married, you got to have some relationship goals in your life so that you know when you won. So you, so you know when, what to do and, and, and what not to do. And, and I've just noticed that culture can hijack that if we're not careful. So I thought if we could just, in the time we have left in the next several weeks, I want to talk about three specific relationship goals that we can have 
that I feel like if we could just accomplish some of this, it'll be, it'll be helpful to us. And every week, um, in fact, next week, starting next week when we have people come in, we're going to give away stickers to remind you, and you can put them on your Bible or you know, your, you know, your nightstand or your toolbox or whatever. But we're going to give away stickers every week. There's going to be a unique sticker if you come and you join us in person. We were going to give them to you today, but Ice Mageddon happened. And so you can, get, you can pick this up next week. We'll have both of these ready for you. Um, but today's first one um, that, that we're going to talk about, first relationship goal is Christ-centered. And I don't know if you can see that. It's Christ, Christ-centered. It's across the heart on it. It's Christ, Christ-centered uh, relationship goal. Christ-centered relationship goal. I've noticed as a pastor that just because you call yourself a Christian doesn't mean you're a Christ-centered person. I'll put it even further. Just because you have two Christians inside of a marriage doesn't mean your marriage is Christ-centered. And I think sometimes we can get kind of confused as Christians, right? Like I think we can sometimes become so Christianized and we, we maybe even come to church. Maybe you serve on a regular basis. Maybe you even give. You do all the things that you maybe qualify as a Christian. But if you were to, to audit your relationship... You're not Christ-centered. You're other-centered. There's, there's, there's something else that's at the center of your relationship. Just because I wear the, the New Orleans Saints jersey doesn't make me on the team, right? And so, so there's some things that I, I have to do and, and, and have a part of my life to know that I'm Christ-centered. So if you're online and you're watching, like you, you got to ask yourself, maybe you're sitting next to your spouse right now, are you Christ-centered? And when I say Christ-centered, this is what I mean. I'm going to define it for you. That Jesus is the primary influence in all our decisions and actions. So he's the primary. I'm not saying that he necessarily even needs to be the only at times, because sometimes you start with Jesus and then you have the tertiary or the secondary things that come into play. And that's okay as long as they're secondary. But, but when you have Jesus as the primary, which means how he thinks, how he acts, what he said in his word is the most important thing when it comes to your decisions and your actions. Like he's number one. And the reason this is so important is because whatever you make primary determines the rest. It influences it highly. It, 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 it creates the ripple effect. Y'all remember when you were kids and you used to throw stones in the water? Come on, in the pond. I mean, that was the funnest thing as a boy. Ladies, I don't know if y'all do that, like, but we used to do that. And like, that's what boys do. We look for the biggest rock to throw into the smallest pond to see the biggest splash and to see the ripples. And, 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 and you're, 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 whatever's centered in your life is like that. It's whatever the, I noticed that the smaller the rock, the smaller the ripple. The bigger the rock, the bigger the ripple. I'm telling you, but whatever that rock was, it influenced the rest. And so you got to ask yourself, is it Christ? I kind of put a little, even a little diagram for us if we could. It's a kind of a circular diagram because whatever you have in the center and I put a question mark because you should question yourself. Like, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not excused to this. Every day I got to go, God, Christ, center of my relationship. Because whatever is the center determines the value. Then it determines the values in your beliefs. Because how I, how, how I believe and what I value is always determined by the thing I have most closely, closely to me. It's what's in the center of my life, my values and beliefs 
they, they eventually affect my actions and decisions. And then my actions and decisions affect my, my influence and my impact. So if you're a young person in here, I'll show you this maybe in real life, is if, if you know, being young, an adolescent, right, which culture says you go through a season of your life, which, by the way, it's an American cultural-ism, you go through your life and you're like a teenager, you, you, you can do whatever you want and you should do whatever you want and you should act crazy because, well, you're an adolescent. If that's how you believe, then, then you're, it influences your values and beliefs and you start acting like that. And what's funny is you start, and you wonder why you do certain things that you do and the decisions that you make. It goes all the way back to you, you're an adolescent in your mind. And then it ultimately influences your impact. It, it, it helps, it determines your influence and your impact because, well, when you act crazy and you do dumb things, it, it affects other people. So, so, so what you have in the center is incredibly important. Paul knew this when he was writing to the church in Galatia. Galatians chapter 5, and it's, it's interesting, he kind of, he compares and contrasts two ways of thinking, two ways of living, two ways of, two centered lifestyles, and he says this in verse 16, he says, so I walk by the Spirit, there's the first way, he says, I, I walk by the Spirit, I'm, I'm Christ-centered, I, 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 I got to walk by Him, He's got to be the starting point, He's got to be the center. He says, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So, so you have two, two ways. He says you can walk by the Spirit and make God center, or you can walk by the flesh and make everything else center. And then he goes on, you didn't get it. It was like He's like a good dad. He's, you didn't get it, let me explain it to you. He says, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh, which seems pretty self-explanatory. But again, he's a dad. He's trying to help this church. He's trying to say, look, just because you call yourself followers of the way, of Yahweh, just because you say you're a Christian, doesn't mean you're a Christian. It doesn't mean that's the way you live. He says, so so remember, when you walk by Christ, Christ Christ-centered, you can't walk by flesh. And when you walk by flesh, you can't walk with Christ. You see what I'm saying? He's like, let me make this clear. Then they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. He goes, so let me show you what it looks like. He says sexual immorality. The problem with our culture and the sexual immorality in our culture is not that there's Hollywood. It's that people have moved from having Christ-centered values to flesh-centered values. Paul knew this would come. This isn't, this isn't new. This is old. He says impurity, debauchery, idolatry, hello, witchcraft, hatred, discord, the country that we live in, again, flesh-centered or Christ-centered. Discord always happens when you follow your flesh. Jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I mean, like, he goes on to just a list a bunch, but I like what he says. And the like, which really what he's saying is he goes... Everything that even feels like that. Because I can't describe them all. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, he said you have flesh-centered living or you have, you have Christ-centered living. 
And if you're living by the flesh, you're not living as a Christ-centered life. The flesh will always pull you to put something in the center of your world other than God. So, so just to kind of clarify, because I know a lot of us, you know, you might be a good-natured person. You were like, no, that ain't me. I'm a Christian. I love God. God's at the center of my relationship. Is it? Let me just give you a few um, flesh-centered categories, flesh-centered idols that, that, that we, we can slide into if we're not careful. And Christians do this all the time, by the way. So some of us could be, as you're navigating yourself right now, some of us are self-centered relationships. Self-centered relationships. Yeah, your relationship is centered about what you want personally. So you have two people who are together, but they're not united. And so you have two people who have decided to, to walk into, um, into a marriage, and they, they desire to fulfill their desires. They, they went into it believing that I'm going to take care of me, and you're going to take care of you. And, and, and when conflict comes, it tends to come around the things that you think are right compared to the thing that your spouse thinks is right or your relationship thinks is right. And by the way, if you're a single person in here, this, this is a huge message for you because you need to, if you want a Christ-centered relationship, you got to be a Christ-centered person. So, so you, you can't go into, into a relationship thinking, I'm going to get mine. Especially when you go into a marriage because you'll be sorely disappointed. It's like the worst way to be selfish is to go get married. And so when you come to, I'll give an example. When you guys decide what you want to eat, if it's always about what you want, come on. You're like, well, that's a little thing. No, no, little things add up to big things. So I'm not saying you worship Satan as a relationship. I'm not saying you two go and you find the nearest satanic cult that you've joined and now you, you don't have Christ-centered. That's not how it works. Satan's much more craftier than that. He just tries to give you little things. And our pride will come in and say, no, 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 we should do what we want, right? I've earned it. And so maybe you, you want to, maybe it's an entertainment choice. You want to watch something on Netflix. You're trying to choose a show. You're trying to figure out where to go on vacation. You're trying to figure out what to eat. You're trying to figure out what house to buy. You're trying to do all these things. And, and I, I've just noticed there are some people who are so fixated on themselves that they don't realize they have moved Christ out of the center of their relationship. And now they are the center of their relationship. How about, how about this? This is an easy one. This is an easy one. Maybe this is one you guys probably don't like much. Uh, kids. You got to ask yourself, are, the, are your kids the same? Pastor, you don't realize. Um, my kid's special. And we have to make sure that he's at every game, every recital, every extracurricular activity. He's going to be at everything that the school offers. Because if, if, he, do, if he doesn't join that team, how else is he going to learn um, character? And I always laugh at that because I'm like, I, I, have you looked at some of the professional athletes of our world? I wouldn't point my kid towards them for character. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying they're bad or evil. I'm just saying it, it could be. Maybe your relationship is not built and centered around Christ. It could be centered around your child, and now your child knows it. And then when your child knows it, then he can start working it against you. And now all of a sudden, now instead of, instead of you making decisions on what the Bible says to do for him, you make the decisions on what he says to do for him. 
And then somebody comes to me when they're teenagers at 17, 18 years old and say, Pastor, fix them. Or, or you tell them uh, they, they, they've gotten to a level in their life where they can choose whether or not to go to church. And then they don't go to church. And, and, and you come to me after you went to church once every nine to ten weeks. And you've taught them for a lifetime to not value God. And then I got to come in with a magical prayer and fix them. It doesn't work like that. You tried, to, you tried to place them at the center of your relationship and making them happy instead of holy was your whole world. And it rippled throughout your life. The kid-centered relationship. It's not uncommon. Maybe it's a, a lifestyle that you desire. I know some families and some relationships where the most important thing is keeping up with the friends that are around them. Man, they don't even call them friends. They're just acquaintances. They don't even really like them, but they got to keep up with them. And so instead of deciding, making a decision, remember, your, 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 your beliefs and your values determine your actions. and your, Come on. And then it determines your influence. All of it's connected. So if God's not the center, if he didn't start with making, helping you determine some of these things that you're going to do, if, if a lifestyle is at the center of your life, it's why you go to it's why you work so much. Because you can't afford not to. How are you going to take those 16 vacations that your friends take? You can't take them unless you work and you can't go to church while you work, so you just it just is what it is. You can't see your kids ever. You can't walk come, come on. I'm talking about the things I see on a regular basis with marriages and relationships as a pastor. Well, I've seen men in my office and men in front of me going, uh, crying, saying, I want my family back. And yet they work 90 hours a week and never see them. And they think, I, I got to go on a retreat. We got to do some counseling. No, no, if you just adjust your lifestyle a little bit, you'll see them all the time. That's really what they want. Again, what's centered, maybe the weirdest one I would find is... Um, it sounds holy. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to Jesus juke you a little bit, okay? It sounds right, but it's still wrong or, or incomplete. Some of us have marriage and relationships that are spouse-centered. So they're not Christ-centered, but they're built on. It's, it's this idea that like, no, 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 I'm not selfish. My whole life's based on them. And I'm there to be with them and help them and to serve them. And that sounds good on its surface, it really, doesn't it? Doesn't that sound right? Like, yeah, that sounds godly. That sounds right. Problem is, is that you have now elevated another human into a place that only God can hold. So when they fail you, when, when they go down, who else goes down? You, you, you go down. Your whole world was created and centered Around, it's what they call um, uh, the, the relationships that are, are needy. Co they call it co-dependent because you are both dependent on you being good. And when one of you isn't good or, God forbid, both of you isn't good, then both of you isn't good. And if you're not good, then it ain't good. I know it's deep thoughts today with Pastor Aaron. But, but, but when your relationship is centered around them, you're setting them up for failure. Some of us need to hear this. Your wife 
cannot sustain you. Your husband cannot sustain. He's not the one you go to for all your love. That's a Disney thing. That's Hallmark. That's not Bible. He's there to help and support and be a part and protect and guide and love you. She's there to help and support and guide and protect and love you. Yes, but they're not the center. It's, it perpetuates the myth of the one. I always hear this like, I got to find the one. Right? Like, did you guys grow up? Like, didn't we all grow up thinking that? Like, I got to grow up and find the one day I'm going to find the one. And when I find the one, I will be, they always say this to me. They always say this. I will be complete. I will be complete. And I always laugh when I talk to I, teenagers. I was a youth pastor for many years, and they would say that kind of stuff. And I always used to tell them this. It was my standard line to teenagers who say, if I find the one, I'm going to be complete. I always tell them, one is a complete number. That's a whole number, by the way. One is a whole number. You do not need another person to complete you. Jesus already did that. It's a whole number. You win. You're already there. You're complete. Now, there are some things we'll talk about next week that you can accomplish when you have another one. But you don't need one to complete you. If you're, if you're, if you're single in here, let me put you at ease. You don't need to find the one. You need to be the one. Just, just be, be the person that you want to find, and they'll, be, they'll come. They'll come. Like, I don't have faith for that. That's okay. Borrow my faith. If I could find someone, you could find someone. <laughs> and uh, you notice, like, I, I, didn't, I, I didn't say, if I find the one, I didn't find the one. I found someone. I found one. I tricked her. She said yes. It was great. <laughs> it's been great. I've had to work on it. But, but let me tell you, like, once I find my one, right, someone, my two, like, we'll call them my two, once I find the next one, the, the one that I have, the one that I've committed my life, then because I've made Christ the center and never adjusted when I became married, it just now adjusted to where now both of us have Christ as the center. So if you're going to do that, as I wrap up today, I want to give you just a practical. I, I just feel like every servant, Pastor Jason, I just want to give us all just something, just practical. Like I just want to give us something to do. One thing to do. I'm going to give you one thing. If you're married, if you're single, all of us can do this. One thing. Okay. One, one, one thing. All right. This is one, one thing. Just every day, pray together. Just pray together every day. Now, listen, the moment I said that, a bunch of us freaked out. Online, you're like, log off. I'm done. I can't handle this guy. It's ridiculous. I'm not going to pray with my wife. Do you know my wife? Right? Like, I can't pray with my husband. Are you I can't even, I could barely have a conversation with him, let alone pray with him. Okay, I'm just saying, like, maybe for the next 30 days. Okay, let's just put a time limit on it. 30 days. I'm just 30-day challenge, okay? Will you pray with your spouse every day? Because I know some of you are like, man, it's too intimate. It's a little, it's a little familiar. I'm like, y'all are married. Y'all be doing some intimate things, right? You can pray. Um, you don't know where to start. You know, I know a lot of guys like, I don't know where to start. I don't have time. You know, you're overcomplicated. Let me just give you a verse that, that maybe we could all use to maybe guide our prayers. Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. I'm done. I'm done. Christ-centered. Talking about Christ-centered relationship goal number one, be Christ-centered. We can pray. And here's how you do it. You invite God into your marriage every day, okay? Invite God. I'm going to invite you, God. God, please. I've noticed God is like, um, you got to think of your relationship with Christ, especially with prayer, like a friend in this world, right? If 
I have a friend. I don't just call them a friend in that moment, and then we never talk. Then we're not friends, really. We're really acquaintances. We're not close. We don't have a relationship. We're just, I know of them, but I don't know them. In order for me to be a friend and to be continually in a relationship, I got to invite you over. You have to invite me over. We got to do some things together, right? That's I'm human nature. So if that's true, then I'm just giving you a way to do it with God. And that's really what prayer is. Matthew chapter 6 says this. It says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I like that first part. This is the first step in praying together. I'm just giving you some thoughts here, okay? I like it says, when you pray, when you pray, he's assuming you're going to on a regular basis. So keep it consistent. Keep it regular. Like just do it every day. And if you miss a day, don't miss two. Okay? That's it. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, it's grace, right? It's all good. But if you miss one, don't miss two. Keep it consistent. And when you pray, which means they had a consistent prayer life, consistent with God. When you pray, keep it consistent, keep it regular. Number two, he says, do not heap up empty phrases. So just keep it real. So we got number one, keep it consistent. Number two, keep it real. So don't act like you have to go walk in with King James Version of what you're doing and try to figure out the holy words with God. It could be, God, I need some help. I'm frustrated. Here's what's wrong. I'm praying that you would help me because I'm not sure I can make it. Just keep it real. So don't heap up empty phrases. Don't make it super religious. Don't make it where you feel like I heard pastor pray like this, or I heard my, my uncle pray like this. I must learn how to pray. I got to start with Father God or, you know, Lord Jesus. or so. You don't have to start with any. How about start with just, I'm having to talk with you, God. We're going to have to get this thing figured out. I've, I've had more prayers with God Start off with, well, I didn't see that coming. I, I've done this before. I've started my prayers off with, are you paying attention? I'm talking about keeping it real. And then he says, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. I like what he said. I like how he goes out of his way to say, just keep it short. You don't need to be long. So just keep it consistent. Keep it regular, right? On a regular basis. Keep it real and keep it, keep it short. So I'll give an example. Every day I pray this with my wife, okay? You're not going to be impressed by this prayer. You're going to be like, that's, that's ridiculous. I could do that. That's the point. So every day, grab my wife's hands. Now, I'm a, I, I personally believe that husbands, you should lead this. But why, ladies, if you're in a marriage where maybe your husband's not a believer, or maybe that's just not his personality or style, or he needs to grow into that, you help, help your marriage do this. So, but if you're a man and, and, and your husband and you follow God, I mean, I, I encourage you to lead, lead, lead your family in this. So I grab my wife's hands, and sometimes it's like as I'm walking out of the door, and sometimes she's got to remind me, you know, what I mean? so I'm not perfect about it all the time, but like I just grab my wife, okay, and I start, it sound, sounds silly, okay. I just say this, God, help me be a good husband to my wife, to be kind and loving. God, help me to be a good father to my children, to be patient and full of grace. We rebuke the hand of the enemy 
in our marriage. He has no place. I pray for my wife to be a good wife, to be kind and loving to me. I pray for my wife to be a good mother, to be graceful and loving. I pray, and I kind of end it. I pray that above all, we would be united because when we're united, we're undefeated. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it. That's it. I might add a little thing here and there. I might, depending on the moment, if we're in a specific subject or we need to pray for a specific thing, I might add that. But notice, it wasn't complicated. It wasn't overly spiritual. And I believe with all of my heart that in that moment, I'm inviting God into my relationship. And I'm keeping him the center so that I'm not the center and so that she's not the center and so that those five, you know, crazy rugrats that we created are not the center and that my lifestyle is not the center. Christ is the center. God, you put us together. You, you got to stay with this. You're, you're the glue. You're the grease that makes the wheels go on this thing. And I, and I believe if we could do that as a church, we can get everything that our relationships have to offer. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Lord, I thank you that today, Lord, you are, are speaking to us, maybe specifically, uniquely, as a relationship, as a marriage. And I, I know that in my heart, I failed at this. In practice, in my marriage, I failed at this, and I, I repent. And I ask you, God, to help me keep you at the center of my relationships, the center of all of our relationships, and that maybe today we could take some practical steps in moving towards that in Jesus' name.